Welcome to Woman in Progress, the podcast for smart, successful, high-achieving women who are ready to choose themselves, stop following the shoulds, and have the audacity to create the perfectly imperfect lives they crave. I'm your host, Samantha Ushado, corporate leader by day, health mindset coach, and group fitness instructor by nights and weekends. I created this space for the seekers, the messy action takers, the women who are courageous enough to lean into discomfort in the name of growth and are willing to live life on purpose. So if you're ready to work on yourself for yourself, be an example of what's possible and meet other incredible women on the same journey, you're in the right place. Consider this your official invitation. Let's get to work. What's up, sweet friends? Welcome back to the Woman in Progress podcast. Now, today I've got a question for you. When I say the word conflict, what comes to mind first? Maybe you picture two people going toe-to-toe, fists ready to fight, or maybe two people with their arms crossed, looking away from each other, neither one willing to relent and both stubbornly believing that they're right. Or maybe the word conflict elicits in you a kind of anxiety that you want to avoid at all costs. No matter how you perceive conflict, today my goal is to help you realize that Conflict itself is not a problem, but rather that our inability to effectively manage it is. So what is conflict really? Well, conflict is defined as the physical or psychological struggle associated with the perception of opposing or incompatible goals, desires, demands, wants, or needs. When incompatible goals, scarce resources, or interference are present, conflict often results, but it doesn't mean the relationship is poor or failing, at least not all the time. You see, all relationships progress through times of conflict and collaboration, but it's the way that we navigate and negotiate these challenges that influences, reinforces, or destroys the relationship. So rather than viewing conflict negatively, today I want you to view it as an opportunity for clarification and for growth. Now I really want to reinforce something from this definition, so I'm going to repeat myself. All relationships progress through times of conflict and collaboration but it's the way that we navigate and negotiate these challenges that influences, reinforces, or destroys the relationship. So rather than viewing conflict negatively, I want you to view it as an opportunity for clarification and for growth. Conflict is normal. When you experience conflict in your life, it doesn't mean anything has gone wrong. Conflict is universal. Conflict cannot be avoided, and conflict is not always bad. Now, I've been doing a lot of work over the last year on increasing and expanding my conflict capacity. I've spoken on this before, I think it was in episode five, where I shared the lessons I'd learned after one year as a people leader and how it has been quite an education as far as how I respond to different personalities and situations and show up as the leader I most want to be. Now, in my current role, I've had to initiate conversations about performance with employees that I care for and speak about behavioral challenges with those I have more complex relationships with. But in my current role as a manager, It's not only with employees that I face conflict. And in fact, I've noticed with each new role I've advanced to that there is a higher expectation that I be conflict capable. I've experienced conflict with those in higher power, with peers, with vendors, and with clients. And not only that, when I've been in situations where I've had to make difficult decisions or when I need to enforce something that leaves me feeling misaligned and uncertain, I felt conflicted and experienced an inner conflict with this clash in values. You see, you can't get away from conflict. It's everywhere if you are willing to be aware enough to realize that it exists. One of the most difficult aspects of leadership, but also in life, is managing conflict instead of avoiding it. Is it hard? Absolutely. Will we get it right every time? Nope. 
But my hope is that by the end of this episode, you'll join me on this journey I'm on to stop avoiding conflict and instead realize that conflict can be your greatest teacher and catalyst for growth. And let me be clear, conflict for me, for anyone, does not just exist at work. But I have found, for myself anyway, that work has been where I've had the most awareness that this is an area that I can certainly develop stronger capabilities in. For you, it could be a different area entirely. So as I progress through this episode, listen to my examples through the lens of your life and identify if there's an area of your life where you've experienced mismanaged conflict that you want to work on. Perhaps it's with family. And last week's episode on mother-daughter drama would be a good one to refer back to, or with your romantic partner or friends. Because here's what I know to be true. Any conflict that has escalated to creating an unhealthy, dysfunctional environment is due to one simple area of neglect, a conversation that should have happened but didn't. Avoidance of conflict, or rather our lack of capacity to deal with conflict and not the conflict itself, is the biggest problem we face. And it comes at a cost to your well-being, to your growth, to your ability to collaborate with the other party. Now, cost to well-being, in my opinion, is the most insidious and is the one that I encounter the most personally and in my practice. I work with smart, successful, high-achieving type A women, and when they're preoccupied with conflict, it affects their sleep, their nervous system, and their ability to make rational decisions. I can speak from personal experience when I think back to a time about two years ago when a conflict was happening at work and I got so twisted up about it that I didn't eat for two weeks. I was so activated by my repetitive thoughts about the situation and feelings of isolation and fear about what the outcome might mean for me that every time I would try to consume food, my stomach would ache and I'd be physically ill. It is amazing what the stress of unresolved conflict will do to you and how significantly it can impact your well-being. And not only that, but poorly managed conflict takes a toll on your growth. When you avoid a difficult conversation, you wire your brain to avoid. And while that might feel like relief initially, this pattern of avoidance becomes your go-to coping method for anything that triggers you. And just as avoidance hampers growth, so does the pattern of aggression. Aggression is the sign that you don't have the right tools for managing stress when pressure is high or when you're at max capacity. And lastly, mismanaged conflict costs collaboration. Often when conflict arises, it is as a result of a lack of trust, relationships, or collaboration. With a solid foundation of trust, it's much easier to manage and resolve conflict, but without it, even the smallest of conflicts can erode collaboration. Now, if I were to ask you right now, how do you view conflict and how would you rate your skills and confidence in resolving conflict, what would you say? More than likely, you'd probably say you despise conflict, avoid it at all costs, and when forced into situations where conflict exists, you either try to avoid it, try to strong arm your way through it, or relent just to keep the peace. Am I close? In my discussions with coaching clients and from my observations in my work dynamics, I'll tell you that it's very common that people either want to avoid or eliminate conflict. So if that's you, you're among friends. (laughs) As I was preparing for this episode, I was thinking about and researching the different ways people approach resolving conflict. And for me, it came down to three distinct behaviors. We either avoid, attack, or appease. Now I get it. Conflict doesn't feel good, And so it stands to reason that we'd want to eliminate it as fast as we can in any way that we can, but there are certainly more effective ways to do so that leave you feeling proud of how you showed up and how you engaged with the other person. Avoidance looks like putting off difficult conversations because you are afraid of your own aggression and you don't want to elicit an emotional reaction in the other person 
or view yourself as a bad person. Avoiders will often say things like, I shouldn't have to tell them what to do or not to do. On the other hand, attacking is more charged and may look like yelling, interrupting, or talking over the other person, raising one's voice, name-calling, sarcasm, eye-rolling, or other aggressive or passive-aggressive behaviors. Attackers retaliate and say things like, what I say goes, and if you don't like it, that's on you. Now, when you are appeasing others, you take blame for the situation. You try to minimize the situation so as not to escalate it, and you tell people what you think they want to hear in the hopes that you can avoid engaging in a hostile or tiring conversation. It sounds like, I probably got it wrong. Let me go back and see what I can do. Now, while each of these so-called conflicts resolution strategies have a different modus operandi, they are not effective and actually quite dysfunctional. Not to mention they are all different flavors of avoidance. Avoidance of furthering the conversation, avoidance of personal responsibility, and avoidance of uncomfortable emotions. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm faced with needing to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone, it feels as though I have to make a decision between two less than stellar options. I either A, speak up, tell the truth, give the feedback, or share how I'm feeling, and risk either losing control because I'm so emotionally charged by the situation, or the other person gets upset and it makes the conflict worse, or B, I pretend everything is okay, convince myself that the other person won't get it, and there's no point, that this conversation won't make a difference anyway, and I stay silent. And in the process, I abandon myself in order to keep the peace and not rock the boat. Two pretty crappy choices, if you ask me, and the reality is both choices are being made in an effort to avoid or resist negative emotion, which we know from thought work only makes the negative emotion stronger. No wonder we avoid conflict. But what if we remembered that the discomfort of conflict was part of the 50-50 of life? That conflict is an inevitable and normal part of what it means to be human and be in relationship with other humans. And that all conflict really is, is disconnection. As humans, we are wired to connect. So of course, disconnection is going to feel uncomfortable. But if we can slow down, allow whatever negative emotions to be there in the midst of that disconnection and process them all the way through, we will realize that there's actually a third option available to us. And it is having the courage to take responsibility for your own experience, self-regulate and give up the need to be right. When you allow rather than resist the uncomfortable emotions that inevitably come with any conflict and are willing to stop being a victim to your circumstances and take responsibility for your unproductive behavior, you are much more likely to engage in a conversation from a place of honesty and curiosity by asking yourselves questions like, do I have all the facts or is this just a thought? What else might equally be true? What assumptions and judgments am I making about this person? And is there a conversation that I need to have but have been avoiding? Now I get it. (laughs) Trust me. It is tough to get out of your own way long enough to get your brain to go to work to answer these questions. It will likely be confronting to get honest with yourself about what might also be true in the situation where you are experiencing conflict. But if you can at least entertain two or three more possibilities than the one you currently believe, You're on your way to increasing your emotional integrity through challenging your unconscious and unproductive thoughts. And most of all, you'll be moving in the direction of connection and finding common ground to move forward on. Now, there is no conflict unless there is an inner conflict first. The inner game is the first piece. 
which is why winning the inner game with yourself is the most crucial part to building your conflict capacity. It involves lots of self-coaching and making peace with the fact that we are responsible for our thoughts, feelings, and actions, just as others are responsible for their thoughts, feelings, and actions. If you often resort to blame when in conflict with others, think of it this way. Blame is a shortcut to avoiding responsibility. As long as we blame others, either consciously or unconsciously, what follows is a justification. We make excuses for unproductive behaviors and we stay stuck. But if we are willing to take 100% responsibility for our 50% in the creation of the conflict, then we can engage in a productive conversation, ask for what we want, clarify expectations, or set a boundary. Winning the inner game with yourself is also about telling yourself the truth. Suppressing your feelings will not change the reality of what you feel, whether it's anger, frustration, disappointment, blame, jealousy, or the desire for revenge. Because here's the thing about conflict. If you avoid conflict by not saying anything, the conflict doesn't go away. When you avoid outer conflict with another person, you simply create inner conflict within yourself. Again, the conflict doesn't go anywhere. You just carry the whole burden internally. Truth-telling means you don't pretend, you don't suppress, you don't fake it, but with one caveat. While you are telling the truth about what you feel and experience, you aren't necessarily believing the story you're making up in your head about what's going on. Rather, authentic truth-telling requires that you give up the need to be right and you get curious about the thoughts you're thinking so you can choose, on purpose, which ones are serving you and which are allowing the conflict to continue. When you have strong feelings about something, it is so easy to believe every thought that you think, but it's important to challenge those interpretations and be honest with the other person about what's going on in your mind so that you can give them an opportunity to tell the truth back to you. This requires you to be vulnerable, which is scary. And you're probably saying to yourself, but why do I have to be the one? And to that, I'll say, it only takes one person's willingness to resolve a conflict. So would you rather be right or would you rather feel peace? Do you want to live into that version of you that lives with higher awareness and makes intentional decisions based on core values and showing up as the person you most want to be? Now, I won't speak for you, but I have a hunch I know the answer. Expanding your conflict capacity isn't about avoiding or eliminating conflict. It's about redefining conflict. It's less about embracing conflict and facing conflict head-on with compassion and empathy for both yourself and the other person. Developing your conflict capacity is not about changing or manipulating others. It's about seeking alignment from within. It has nothing to do with changing others, but rather transforming yourself. And if conflict is something you're having trouble managing, whether it's in work or in your personal life, I can help you. In my one-on-one coaching program, I teach you the tools to courageously manage your resistance to conflict and how to initiate having those difficult conversations in a way that's effective, but also authentic to you. Because like any skill, it takes practice, commitment, and consistency. If you're interested, the link to book a consult with me is in my show notes, and I can't wait to chat with you. And the last thing I'll leave you with is a bit of a paradox about conflict. If we can learn to see it as a teacher, as a catalyst for growth, can learn to define conflict differently, face it courageously, and work on our inner game first, we are much more likely to gain agreement on the resolution we seek. We are much more likely to change minds and influence others in the process. Instead of hiding, pushing against, or people-pleasing in an effort to change people, you become the change. Conflict is not a door. It is a doorway. And as a woman in progress, the growth opportunity on the other side is worth going all in on. Am I right? Have an awesome week, my sweet friends. Chat soon. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of the Woman in Progress podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? 
Don't worry, the conversation doesn't stop here. Follow me at Samantha Ushado on Instagram and be sure to let me know what part of the episode resonated with you most. I love hearing from you. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend. The more, the merrier. Until next time, here's to being a woman in progress.